Hello and welcome to the Creative Lotus Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Zaki. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Creative Lotus Podcast. My name is Alan Zaki. I'm your host. On this week's episode, we have She and the Bandit with Ryan Adames. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. So we've actually known each other for what? It's, Too long. I mean, <laughs> let's let's be real. We're just going to go straight into it. Yeah. Real long. Um, I think today I got a notification from Facebook saying that we, like from 10 years ago. So obviously it's been a minute. 10 years was like when I did a music event and I knew you before that. Right. So probably like 12 years, I would say, or wow. something. Yeah, it's been, it's been yeah. a minute. Um, but for our guests who don't really know you and uh, would love to know more about you, um, if you can kind of give us some background on, you know, where you've been, where you're born, raised, kind of what your your history is. Um, I am from California, so I'm Southern California my whole life, pretty much. Um, I'm from a Puerto Rican family, and we pretty much grew up here, I, or a little bit around Southern California, so Orange County and other areas. But um, I've been in Los Angeles since I was 18, so. It's been just about two years. Uh, yes. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I've uh, always been a native of this area. So, yeah. Got it. So uh, what really brought you to L.A., though? I mean, 18 is a very young age, but was it for the industry or did you just want to, like, get away from home? Yeah, um, I've always been super independent, but I think the biggest thing was I wanted to pursue something bigger than what I was doing at the time. And I was in college and I was going to school to be a physician's assistant at that time. And so I was doing all these things that were like that, that I that w- I really enjoyed, but it was not what I was passionate about at that time. And I had auditioned for um, to be a dancer for The Wizard of Oz, the tour, and I ended up booking that. And so that was kind of what catapulted me when I got back from tour is when I was like, OK, I want to move to L.A. and pursue music and all these other passions of mine. Yeah. So you touched on the fact that you obviously did dance and I did actually not know that about the physician's assistant. So that's. Oh, really? News, yeah. News to my oh. ears. I have no clue. That's but so funny. That is hysterical. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I met you actually when you were really doing dance and mm-hmm. like we're just on the brink of kind of going into music. Yeah. But, um, did you dance since you were like a, a young kid? I know I tap danced for like eight years as a kid and moved, you know, quick step. But what <laughs> she still um, is a good quick step. <laughs> But what um, is that kind of where you had planned to go? I mean, you obviously mentioned the fact that you were into music and other things, but what were those other things? And was dance just kind of the means for you to get there? Or Yeah, I think I just always honestly have enjoyed entertainment in general. And so when I was younger, I never was like a trained dancer. I never like um, did like grew up in a studio, but mm-hmm. I did ballet for a little bit and I did gymnastics when I was younger too. So Flexible. that's kind of. She used to be flexible, but not these days. Um, but yeah, so I, I kind of started doing that. And then as like time had progressed and everything, I knew that I wanted to still be involved in dance, but not as, I guess, as much as I didn't want, I didn't want that to be my only lane. And so I knew moving to LA that I wanted to focus on music for sure, but I was kind of like undecided where to begin with that. So I knew that like, I thought acting could be a potential thing and dancing was something I was interested in also and just kind of, you know, a little bit of everything. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, obviously LA is like the big city of dreams, you know, people come to Hollywood and, you know, explore that, but very few people stay, Yeah, (laughs) you know, cause trust me, I see a lot of them come and go. (laughs) Yeah. As we all do. So I guess kind of what are some personal struggles that you've had to go through, uh, but have ultimately uh, helped you to become more creative or kind of push you in your own creative like field. Yeah. I mean, I think it's crazy because I've been here for so long and because I'm pretty much from here, I, you know, I meet a lot of people that aren't from here and, you know, everyone has their struggles and everything, but I think depending on the time of my life that it's been, it's always been something different. So, you know, whether it's relationship struggles, you know, those are always inspiring after the fact because, you can write music for all those things. And I've always taken advantage of that type of stuff. Um, or, you know, financial struggles are always like a big deal because one Los Angeles is so expensive as we all know the most, um, the the most. And I just think that being an independent artist is such a struggle, whether or not you're a musician or a dancer or anything, it's just, you know, just living here alone is 
in itself is a struggle. So those type of things are always like playing a part into everything else, into every lane that I've done. And so, yeah, I think that's kind of what it is. Nice. So if you were to characterize kind of like what is your greatest strength that you have? Um, and I don't mean your muscles, but <laughs> rather kind of like as a creative, what is your yeah. greatest strength? And then on the flip side of that, what would be like your greatest weakness or something that you feel like you're constantly having to kind of work towards and like overcome? How long do we have today? Because I mean, we got you honestly, all day as long as you want to give to us. <laughs> um, I think my it's hard to say because for me, I feel like um, what is the word? I have a hard time being like, this is my my strength. This is my, like what I'm really good at, but I know that I am really good at songwriting and production and like music, like everything, when anything that I put into my music, I've never released something that was like half ass or whatever. Everything I've always stood behind everything. Even if I look back years, like my first music video, I still will watch it today. And I'm like, wow, that's like a great first video. And that was all done by me, right. you know, and I have a hand in everything I do. Nothing has ever been like, let's do this for your video, whatever or song or whatever. I've always written and done everything myself. So that is my strength for sure. Um, and my weakness is 100% the fact that I am unable to let go of all those like strengths. Like I hmm. want to control everything to the point where I just like, I could have released a song two months ago, but the problem is I'm so fixated on every little detail of everything. And that's like for sure a weakness because I need to learn how to let go of certain things and just be like, this is good enough now versus like holding on to it holding forever. on to it for six more months or whatever, because as a creative, I can continuously adjust and do different things and edit and whatever until the it's done and it will never be done. Right. So that, it's almost like finding that when's the okay, let's go. When is enough enough? Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. But I think every creative has to go through that process. I mean, myself included as a photographer, I feel like, you know, I'm constantly trying to improve an image or, Oh, I could do this and I yeah. could do that. And, and, or if, if I don't feel like I've done enough to it, is it good enough yeah, exactly. just to release as kind of yeah. what it is? So it is, it's striking that balance for mm -hmm. sure and yeah i think that majority of creatives that i've talked to and are friends with have all said that it's giving up that creative control or just being like oh someone else can help me on this mm -hmm. i don't have to do it all myself yeah it's half the battle even if having someone help you and and if they're if you have some like another ear or another person that's like this is perfect the way that it is just like but then you know you have that like devil in your head that's kind of like mm, well is it really you know so it's hard Absolutely. So, you know, She and the Bandit is kind of a newer project of yours, mm -hmm. but I met you when you were doing kind of your own thing. Yeah. What was kind of your uh, jumping off point as to you kind of just stopped? You know, you, you were 100%. just like, yeah. And you were like, stop, push the brakes. We're, yeah. we're done. What was that for you? And then what where did uh, She and the Bandit really kind of grow from or come out of? I think um, I got to a point like where I had put myself in a box that I wasn't like 100% standing by anymore. And so I was kind of like doing specific type of music and things that I felt like I was like, mm, this is kind of like not the jam for me right now. And, you know, I just like it, in any career, any life you grow and you learn, you're like, this is not for me anymore. It, it used to be, but it's not. Right. And so um, I had a little bit of success. I was like touring a little bit and I had one song that was like that it charted originally when it came out. And I was, you know, doing some like fun things for just like for me at that time, it was like pretty great. But I stopped it right as it was starting to go up, which was like the crazy thing for anyone to do. Right. It's kind of unheard of. Yeah. But I thought it was the right move for me. Like I never looked back and like, why did I do that? But it just, it felt like I needed to creatively do something that was like pushing the boundaries. And what I was doing wasn't really pushing any boundaries for me. And like creatively, that's like such a big deal. And so I kind of like sat back and was like, I want to, I want to do, I want to play with the acoustic stuff and I want to do whatever. And I want to have like the freedom to do whatever I want. But then, you know, I think when you people like, find you with a certain sound or look or whatever they kind of expect you to stay that way and I was like mm, I didn't really want to do that so like that's kind of when I took a break and then I kind of came up with she and the bandit yeah I think that um yeah it was it was weird because you were really kind of at like the top of what you were doing mm -hmm. um and you know for everyone listening it was amazing music and I think that uh what you're kind of talking about is and what you were doing uh if I can say was kind of geared towards kind of like towards the gay or LGBTQ community, 100%, right? Yeah. And so because of that, um, 
is that really your reasoning? I mean, it's very easy to get stuck in that niche and then yeah. not be able to get out of it. Was that kind of the reason why you were just like, I got, I got to try other avenues and not be stuck in this cliche. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily like the being pinned as like a gay artist necessarily, but it was more so for me that I, I wanted like, I believe so much in my like writing and the stuff that I wanted to put out in the future back then that I didn't want only the LGBT community to hear it. I wanted everybody, whether they're gay, straight, whatever to hear it. And so for me, I was kind of, that was kind of like what made me really want to step back and kind of like just figure out a better way to promote and have the LGBT community community, but also have everybody else too, because like I believe in everything. So yeah. Yeah. I do feel like the, I mean, I love LGBTQIA, you know, community and I think LMNOPQRSTV, (laughs) all of it, every, all the things. Yeah. Yeah. But no, but I think that all jokes aside, I do think that, um, you know, there is a niche market there and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's very pop oriented, which is amazing. But as an artist, it can very much be kind of stagnation nation. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you, if you keep on going that route, but, um, you know, now that you have this new sound and this new project that you're doing, she and the bandit, which is so awesome and edgy and different. And you kind of mixed, uh, you know, a bunch of different types of music together. Uh, what was your real kind of inspiration for that since it was, you know, spawned out of, you know, not what you were doing before. So kind of what drew influence from that? Yeah. Was it your past? Was it, um, you were listening to something and you just kind of hit you or. I honestly think it's always been, even when I was doing music before when I was a solo or, you know, when I was going by my, just my name. Right. I always wanted to tap into this like vibe, the cinema and eighties, you know, all this stuff that I was doing before, but I just didn't know like exactly how to do it. Or I, I was worried that the audience wouldn't understand. Hmm. And it's not that I believe that the audience wasn't smart enough to get it. I just thought that they wouldn't like it. And that's like such a big deal for a creative person to feel like the audience isn't going to enjoy what they're putting out. So I just, I've always loved cinema and I always have loved Michael Jackson and just like movies and things like that. And I, I wanted to find a way to make everything fit together in one sound. So if someone were to hear it, they would think like, oh, this is cinematic. This also kind of sounds like a horror movie or this could be like in an 80s like TV show or something like that. And that was how when I started doing this music, when I write and when I when I listen to music and films and stuff like that's the stuff that I listen for. And so that was kind of how I, you know, made it all come together. Amazing. Yeah. I know that you brought up, uh, you know, Michael Jackson as being Mm -hmm. a huge influence. And I know that you've actually done a lot of video work to go along with these new tracks that you've released. Um, Is that was that inspired by Michael or do you feel like it's that's something that is really kind of necessary now to kind of one up the be in the game because it's such a visual world with Instagram and TikToks and everything else that's kind of going on? Or what was like your your real purpose for putting out video content uh, along with every track almost that you've done. Yeah. I mean, half of, half of those apps and things I don't even understand. So, (laughs) you know, but for me, because, uh, you know, a a kid growing up in the eighties watching Michael Jackson and all these other artists in that era. And even in the two thousands and stuff, like everyone had like these videos and everything. And I don't know, Michael Jackson was always so inspiring to me. So, uh, watching his videos and everything had like a dynamic, appeal to it whether it was the look of the video and the sound and just everything it was like a movie right and so when i was doing my like all of my stuff and releasing the songs and when i when i think of a song i like simultaneously i'm thinking of like a visual or a video because that's i want not only people to listen to the stuff i want them to feel something from it so if i can feel a visual from my songs and i feel like that's like what i'm trying to achieve and so that's kind of how that began, but it was really important to me to have certain visuals to go along with it because I just like having that type of stuff to write along with the song. Right. So, well, I think it ultimately helps to tell the story, right? Yeah. Because, and like you said, because you as the artist are in the studio recording this, but you already have the visuals kind of mm-hmm. planned out in your head, yeah. having something to go along with that. And like you said, you know, Michael was such like a cinematic, you know, artist in the yeah. sense of that every video that he did i mean i think he was the first artist that ever had like a million dollar budget for yeah. one of his music videos and it was like 
I think it might have been Thriller actually. Thriller, I think like Scream was like one of the most expensive videos ever made or something crazy yeah. at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that um yeah, having a visual though, I'm a super obviously visual person because mm. of the what I do, but I think that um yeah, having something to go along with the music only helps to kind of illustrate everything for like your listener. Um, and yeah, I kind of miss the days of, I mean, MTV was the place to go. And when a new video dropped, it was like the shit yeah, to like crazy watch out TRL, for. TRL. Like, yes. and even, I didn't really watch pop-up video too much cause I think mm. that was a little before my time, but, right. uh, TRL was like a huge thing. And Total I remember like, yeah, yeah. Total request live. And I was watching all that and MTV and just all these, like all this, this stuff. And I think social media really has almost like killed diluted, yeah. diluted for sure artists and and just like a life in general because now we see these people on a daily basis going to whatever they're doing all this stuff right. that we never saw before like no one ever saw michael jackson do anything right because all they saw was when he was ready to come out with the video he right. would show himself and right. that's when they he'd be on tv and stuff and right. so it's just so different now well yeah i think it's interesting because the what you're talking about is almost like the the curated life that you would see of artists before was mm. literally just their art and any interview that they would do. Exactly. But now, like you said, you have access to these people 24-7. I mean, I think it started with, uh, you know, like the news outlets, right, becoming 24 hours. It's like the yeah. CNNs and the MSNBCs. You know, it's like this constant feed. And now social media has taken, like, if you're not live 24-7 and doing something, then, like... You're dead. You're, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's exhausting, really. Really, yeah, you know? it's exhausting. I mean, I I'm not a dinosaur, but I I like <laughs> I understand. Thank you. I get it. Like I I get what's happening, and I just choose to not engage as much just because I feel like it's not healthy for right. me at least. I and for a lot of people, I just think it's uh, it becomes a really unhealthy lifestyle trying to keep up with the Joneses and and these are people that aren't. They're just like putting out things that aren't necessarily real, anyways. You know, right. these are like they're putting out their highlights of their life. Well, know? no, it's, it's funny though, because in the same way that you're talking about Michael and all of these, you know, musicians that were, uh, putting out content before it was curated, but this is just like a new version of the curated life. Yeah. Only you're seeing it so much that you think this is a reality. And yeah, that's exactly. where like the mind kind of gets messed up is that there's no flaws to be seen right. in the content people are releasing when the reality is, is that like a lot of these people are, you know, sad yeah, and exactly. depressed and not really yeah. living. Well, because well. they're curating their daily lifestyle versus like artists back in the day were just curating their art, art and the things that they wanted to put out creatively. And unless it was like some crazy huge scandal that was like on the news in the newspaper and stuff. Right. But other than that, it was like, like I found out Aaliyah died randomly. I just thought of this, but I found out mm. she died in the newspaper. Wow. And I remember my dad reading it to me and I was like so distraught because I loved her. Right. And so just like that, like we didn't have access like we do now. And I do think there's a lot of positives to social media and all this stuff. And this is a whole nother tangent we can get on. But I do think that it, you know, it could go, they go hand in hand with each other. Like obviously art needs to have this, you know, new generation and new wave of like thinking, but it right. is difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that every every time or every year, it seems there's some new thing that's coming out, you yeah. know, and I think so much of the influence uh, is actually coming from Asia, you know, now with like mm-hmm. te- both technology, but also even artists or more international artists are kind of coming into the United States and like kind of sinking their <laughs> their claws, if you yeah. will, or sinking into uh, the cultural like you know, sphere, but do you take any other influences from like outside sources? I know that you referenced a lot of like eighties. I'm, uh, I'm guessing kind of Americana kind Mm -hmm. of, um, history, but is there other outside kind of sources that you've pulled from for your music? Yeah. I mean, I, I truly love film. I know I mentioned this before, but I love cinema Mm -hmm. and I love like film and I, um, a lot of times I like to watch like I, I love horror, obviously, because a lot of the elements of things that I grew up watching are horror films. And so um, all that I like to watch a lot of independent and foreign films, horror films and stuff, just because I feel like a lot of even short films, because a lot of short films and stuff, they these artists and directors and stuff, they put all their own money into it. And so they have 100 percent creative control. They're not having any kind of presence from anyone else telling them they can or can't do right and so those are the really inspiring things to me to watch a lot of that kind of stuff or even listening to music from other places you know like obviously k-pop is super big and i love k-pop um but just anything in that 
realm is really cool to me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, I love K-pop. So um, has there ever been a moment for you, whether it was previously, like when you were under your own name or recently with uh, She and the Bandit that you've ever felt like you've officially, quote unquote, air quoted, made it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, there's been times when I've done things when I was like, uh, going by my, you know, Ryan Adamas and, mm-hmm. and doing that, that I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, this is like a step towards something else. Like when my song Bang uh, mm-hmm. charted, I was like, wow, this, I've never been part of Billboard before. That was really cool. Uh, but I never, I always felt like what what was making it to me was like not had happened yet. Mm-hmm. So I always felt like it was like more to come and, and I always wanted people to see more so i never felt like oh this is it you know what i mean i'm always like proud when i put something out like when i released my video um this past year i was like really happy that that happened and i was super proud of it but i never felt like oh i made it just because i feel like it's so like how do you know when you make it right you know what i mean right. like is because to me i think if if i if i'm going by like i'm not on the cover of a magazine no but if i'm going by yes i'm following my dreams and my passions and i'm pursuing that then yeah i have made it so it's kind of like hard to say right i think those markers are just a means for you to kind of see how much you've grown but not necessarily like the standard unto which you have to be like oh i've officially made it now and now i can like relax i think as creatives and correct me if i'm wrong but you know as creatives it's kind of like you're constantly still pushing forward Mm -hmm. and like it's amazing to have those moments and to be you know rejoice about them or be happy about them but yeah it's kind of not like the oh now's the time to sit back and relax and kind of just definitely not (laughs) yeah i've never had like a time where i'm like okay now i can just relax you know what i mean but i've had aha moments where i'm like going 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 because you're constantly doing something and then you look back and you're like wow i've i've done xyz thing and all the all this stuff and i'm super proud of myself but i you know haven't made it yet in the sense that the whole world hasn't heard my music yet. So that's absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So my next question is uh, what brings you the most happiness now versus kind of when you started out doing your music Um, has anything really changed for you as to kind of in perspective or just kind of overall? Yeah. I mean, I, it's so weird because I mean this past year, obviously a lot has changed. Um, But I think now living my creative truth is like what makes me the most happy. Like when I'm Mm. in the studio and I'm writing, like I'm not following any specific type of format or anything that makes me the most happy because I can do whatever I want. Um, versus before I think I was more following a formula Mm. that I thought would work. Right. And so that wasn't really making me happy. And so that's kind of why this whole project began. But I think ultimately living 100% in your truth and your creative truth is super important. And that's like where I always am the most content, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause you brought up the fact that, you know, these European like independent filmmakers and mm-hmm. stuff kind of, because you're putting your own money into it and you're not being influenced by, you know, big budgets or people kind of saying stuff. Uh, do you feel the same way with your own work? Cause you know, it sounds like you're doing a lot of your own independent yeah. kind of musical pieces so there isn't really outside influence you really have all to say right yeah one like a thousand percent because i was just watching um a reading an interview for this it's so random but this movie on netflix mm-hmm. it's a horror movie of course of that course. i watched recently it's called i believe it's called what lies below okay um and the story of the film is that it's it was a really low budget horror movie that this and the director was doing an interview talking about how he's gotten so much hate because uh the film has gotten either really good or really terrible reviews Mm -hmm. and he was just like i'm just happy people are talking about it but Mm -hmm. what the audience doesn't see is that he was like i was a lift driver i was doing all this stuff behind the scenes to fund this film wow and it finally the fact that it finally he was like i was reaching for top 10 in in netflix it was number one in netflix and so for him he was like this is this is success to me because I am, people are talking about the film, whether it's good or bad. Right. And so that to me is, was like, I was like that. I feel exactly the same because I'm, I, what I worry about is in the future, if I get to a point where there's more hands involved in my project, Mm -hmm. that it's going to be hard to, because I have so much, like I write all my music by myself. I produce everything with one person and I'm doing it all, you know, together. Right. And so I've never had anything that was done for me. So I worry that, um, losing a little bit of control would like I would don't know what I would do 
So um, having that control is really important to me. So I know that moving forward, if, you know, at some point I get to a point where that does happen, then I'm, that's going to be part of my right. deal is yeah. that I want own 100% of this, you right. know, yeah. so you'll cross that bridge when you reach it. That's right. Yes. Uh, so what is your work ethic like? I mean, it sounds like you are extremely involved and are, you know, 100% about it. But, you know, being a creative is no easy task, especially in like a large city like L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, what does it take for you to like do your work and make, you know, this amazing music kind of come out? Um, I mean, I have always been a super like like a workhorse, essentially. Like I grew up, I started working when I was 16 years old. And I haven't stopped working ever since then. So mm-hmm. I've, and I've always done that type of stuff to fund my dream. Um, so I do gigs, I bartend, I do all this stuff. Um, and that's what is, it makes it able me able to fund all this stuff that I do. Um, and if it weren't for that, then, you know, I don't have anyone else that's helping me out. So that's the hard part. But right. right. What is kind of one thing that you've learned about yourself Um, just kind of from working in this industry, um, you know, like you said, you do have kind of a tight crew that you work with in order to produce the Mm -hmm. music and everything, but you know, there's a big, huge industry full of other people that want to influence or be a part of kind of your brand or what you're doing. Uh, so kind of what has been like the one thing that you've learned about yourself while doing all of this stuff over the last, you know, 10 plus years that you've been doing it. Um, I mean, I think I would say what I've learned most is that, I have really good instincts mm-hmm. about not, not even just my music, but even about like uh, with other people's projects. Cause now that I've been doing it for, for so long and you know, I, I enjoy also working with other artists and other people in that realm. And so right. I have a, I just really enjoy the creative process of all platforms. And so I think I've really learned that I need to stick with my instincts. And I think that rubs off into other people and other projects and other things in that way. Right. Well, like you said, working with different creative collaborators, Mm -hmm. you know, who is she of she and the bandit? Cause I don't think you are she correct. Correct. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, originally, so this is how the project started originally. Like, as I was saying before, I was really kind of like burned out from what I was doing originally. Mm -hmm. Um, and with my name and the photos and everything specifically that I was kind of doing. Right. And so um, I started She and the Bandit because I was like, how can I have a really cool project Mm -hmm. but never show me and never show the girl? Because I want Mm -hmm. to have a way that I can still like – I was trying to think of cool ways that I can have creative control by writing the music and composing the music but then like hiring a girl because I am a feminist – and so I, I believe in like the power of women and everything like that. And so I thought it was really important to me to feature a woman. And I, I enjoy female vocals and just like all that since I've, right. you know, been growing up and everything. And so uh, that's kind of how the project started. So I was going to be invisible and so was the girl. So mm. essentially she and the bandit is a project based on like the bandit has kidnapped a female mm. for each different song. So each song features a different female vocal. Um, And so that's kind of how the project started. But then as time has progressed, obviously it's very hard to continue to not show your face and to not do specific things. And I obviously have a passion for cinema. And so I wanted to do videos and think of, you know, ways to show myself. And it became kind of like, more of a chore to me to, right. to do that. And unless so unless you're Sia, then you can just hide. Unless you're Sia, bangs. then you can wear Yeah. Hide behind bangs or something like that, you know, but it didn't seem feasible for me at the time. Um, and so I think I've found a happy medium where I can still, I can choose to not show my face in the video if I want to, right. but I still want to continue to, put out videos and do content in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's interesting. Cause I remember when you had just kind of planted the seed for, you know, she and the bandit to yeah. start and we did our photo shoot and, yeah. it, and you gave me this whole like pitch of like, great, we're going to shoot me, but we're not going to shoot me in the sense that yeah, you yeah. can't see my face. Uh-huh. And I was like, wait, what? But I do have to say that that shoot was probably one of the most creative shoots we've done together because for it sure. wasn't yeah. just you looking amazing and being like sexy, Ryan Adonis, yeah. but rather really just like, how do we get creative in not showing who you are and really kind of showing a sense of mystery? 
mystery mm-hmm. as to who he is of like the she and the bandit. Who is the bandit? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I love the idea that, you know, she is not really known, but then giving really the feminist kind of voice mm-hmm. to all of the songs yeah. that you, you've written for them. So, yeah, it's like it's it's more so became about the vibe of the name she and the bandit and like what I wanted originally. So now it's like still about the mystere because now the mystere is still, the girl is still unknown. Right. Um, and I'm still for like the first three songs that I released, you still don't see my face, hmm. uh, like the, on the covers and stuff. Like I still am able to do and get that satisfaction of what, what it was originally right. and still be creative and still like have fun with it. And you know, yeah, that shoot was really fun because we, did a whole thing of what, what is that thing called a prism? A prism. Yeah. So yeah, we had like a prism in front of, I'm trying to describe it for people listening, but we had a prism in front of a camera yeah. and trying to shoot like me behind it. Right. But it was, it was uh definitely like creative on both our parts. Cause we were trying to figure, play, do it as we, as we yeah. went. Absolutely. Um, but the photos came out really cool. Yeah, no, I love them. And it was it was fun because it was like an exploration, like you said, of light and the ability for the prism almost made like rainbows or kind of like mm-hmm. broke it broke the the point of view. So you yeah. couldn't see your face. Yeah. But the refraction the the I can't even say these words. The the light was actually hitting it, so it was kind of like making like a shooting rainbow kind of out of this prism mm-hmm. and um, you know, I was like gelling the lights and everything. And so you really didn't know who it was yeah. other than, you know, unless you told someone that it was you. Right. So. I mean, that was, and that was really cool to me because honestly, at this point, I don't care about doing like a sexy, like and everyone has seen my face at this point. Like I don't need to do another photo where it's like a, you right. know what I mean? And so for that was unless like, it's your selfie on Instagram, right? unless it's a selfie. Um, but I didn't care at that point about whether my face was showing or not. Like I really wanted to not show it. And so that was cool to be able to do and not have to worry about like, Oh, do I look good in that photo or right. whatever? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I thought that was amazing. Um, so you talked about women and you being a feminist. Love. And, yes. And so, you know, who has really been like your biggest supporter or fan uh, that's really helped you to keep going yourself? Like when you're like down or you're in these struggles, like who is that one person or maybe multiple people that have really kind of kept you going? Um, I would for sure say my mom. I figured. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know her too. Yes. So, I mean, um, my mom has always been like my best friend. We were always super close growing up. And she also was like my hero because she was just so inspiring to me because mm. I saw you know, my parents separated. My mom was like, you know, cleaning toilets to make money and all this stuff. And so that was like, that's, I think that's where me being a feminist always began. Right. Cause I saw this woman that would do anything to survive and to, you know, to make a happy life for her children. And, um, that's kind of where that started. And so she's always been the person that's like really pushed me and been like, when's your next song coming out? Or like, what are you working on and all this <laughs> stuff? And I'm like, mom, it's not, it's not something I do in like a day. So, right, right. you know, but, um, but she's always been kind of like that person for me. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you find inspiration from family? I mean, I know on a personal level, I know you pretty well, so I know that you're close with family, but yeah. like, do you, does it mean a lot to you? Like, is that something that you like need for your own like sense of creativity and being able to do mm-hmm. your thing? I think, I mean, family is obviously so important to me and, but I don't necessarily take inspiration musically from my family situations at least as of now um but i i think more so i take inspiration from like different points in my life like growing up like my mom would my mom also loves horror so that's kind of Mm. where my love for horror came from she owns every single stephen king book and so um she would be the one like all, all my friends would come to our house after school to watch horror movies because my mom would rent them from video time and from Hollywood video. Yes. And so, um, we would have all these like silver bullet and Nightmare on Elm street and all these like mo- these films and stuff. And so that's kind of where that inspiration comes from. So I kind of like carried that over into my adult life. Um, but, uh, as far as like my immediate family, like life goes, I kind of, I kind of keep that separate, I guess. Right. I don't know. Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. So, um, you know, COVID-19, obviously, last Oof. year, <laughs> yes, it uh-huh. affected everyone, really, the world over um, in all types of ways. Uh, but, you know, what was it like for you and like what really kept you going 
in this time, like as a creative and then going into 2021, like how were you able to kind of like push through that yeah. and, um, you know, keep your creative juices going, but also kind of not lose hope. Right. It was definitely interesting because I think when it first started, nobody knew. Right. I mean, very few people even had heard of it. Yeah. Well, unless so, you're Donald Trump, but anyways. Right. Well, that's another story. <laughs> it's a separate podcast. Right. Um, but yeah, like. I, for one, didn't know. So I know when I started hearing about people, like their jobs closing and stuff, I was like, this is like a two week thing. Hmm. So I, you know, didn't put any thought behind it. Cut two months later, obviously this is like a huge thing. And at first it was kind of like nice to stop, to just like slow down. And I think kind of everybody was kind of feeling that for a little bit, but then eventually it became longer. And after right. like a month or two, it was like, okay, this is like, now this is yeah, really cutting into serious. my life. Yeah. Right. Now this is like getting emotional. <laughs> it's too much. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I, I've always kind of been like, a not the kind of person to just sit around waiting for right. things to happen. So I was kind of like, well, what, what can I do here? And then of course, like on top of everything, the writing and all that stuff started to happen. Right. So that was, um, alone in itself was just like, oh my gosh, like, so eye opening and just everything that was happening. So I actually started, I, I wasn't like in the first like two months, I would say I wasn't very creative, mm. but then right after that, and then the riots were happening, I started to get pretty creative. And I, so I started writing a song, um, called actually called bad kids that I released recently, hmm. but that's kind of where the, the inspiration came from because I was watching all these things happen and just people fighting for what they believed in and all this stuff. Absolutely. And so that was really important to me. And then I kind of was able to kind of push through that with, with that that was happening. And I guess I will say I made like a good thing out of what was happening negatively in the world. Right. Um, but it was hard because I think a lot of people were trying to find their footing and just trying to like decide even if they wanted to still be in Los Angeles or be in wherever they were at, like, because a lot of people didn't even know where they wanted to go or what was happening. And so I know a lot of people went back home, right. Um, which is, you know, I think it was a great thing. Um, but that was, I think the most difficult for me was just trying to figure out like, what, what do I do? Because I need to do something. Right. And so writing was the first thing that was, I was able to find. Yeah. In that time, did you find it to be kind of a very like self-reflective time for yourself? And then that's ultimately what led to kind of writing and creating bad kids or um, like, what were you really doing in this time? I mean, obviously the first two months it was like straight up lockdown, but then straight up lockdown. as time went on, you yeah. know, we went through the rest of the year. Yeah. What, like what did that progressive timeline look like for you? Yeah. Um, luckily for me, um, I had, literally right when all this was going on, I had filmed the music video. Mm. And so a lot of my time in the beginning and throughout the quarantine and everything that was happening, um, I was editing. So I was kind of like spending a lot of my time editing my music video. Um, and then on top of that, I started writing of course and doing all that kind of stuff, but it was a little, I think it was just hard to find out where to go. Cause it's like, you're, you don't know which avenue to take because you're like, do I sit home all day and have fast food or do I right. try to do something? And it's like, how do you how do you deal? Yeah. And so I kind of spent most of my time trying to be creative whenever I could. You know, like, of course, there was a lot of times where I was just like down and out and just wanted to just do nothing. Right. But it was important for me to stay kind of creative. Otherwise, I felt like I would have just like lost myself or something yeah mm -hmm. i know the gym is a lot it means a lot to you as well were you able <laughs> to does. work out and uh keep yourself fit during the quarantine or what did you do well i for one it listen the gym <laughs> the gym is important to me and it's not like a aesthetic thing it's mostly because right. just like emotionally and mm -hmm. mentally i need it absolutely and so for me it's like i liked i just enjoy working out i do and and not a, not a lot of people can say that or and some people can say that and some people can't right but i just do enjoy the fact of like being active and whatever but i definitely in the beginning was not yeah. doing that so you know but it, it was nice it was a nice break it was yeah. a nice like everything stopped right working out work just everything kind of stopped and i think it was a really good reset emotionally and everything for people to kind of just be like, okay, what do I really want in life? And that, and that's exactly what I did. So I was like, what do I want in life? What do I want in a relationship? Mm. 
what do I want in everything? Because those are important things to me. And once everything was quiet, it was like the best time to think, you know? Yeah. So it's hard to think in a loud nightclub. You're not having like deep thoughts there. But when you're by yourself and it's quiet, you have really have time to sit there and be like, what is it that I need? And what yeah. is it that I want? And what do I deserve? Right. So, yeah, I think if you're in a loud nightclub and are thinking deep thoughts, you're probably a little bit of you're a probably in the wrong place. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A little much yeah, yeah, a lot right. to take yeah. in. I'm like, well, uh, maybe maybe you need to see a therapist about yeah. that one. Um, which we all probably do. I mean, if that's, if that's not the theme of 2020, I, know, I don't know what yeah. was. It's like, let me find a therapist. Truly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I find that like friends though have been uh, in the sense of like community and kind of keeping, um, you know, each other going has kind of also been there. Do you really, is there like a pod or did you have a pod of people? A pod. Well, <laughs> yeah. That I you mean, kind of kept in touch with. Luckily, luckily I have a very small group of friends. Like I literally could count all my friends on maybe like one hand plus like two or something. So I literally have like, well, you have two hands, so I think you have plenty of fingers. Well, I'm, I'm saying it's less than 10. Oh, you know what I mean? Like I just have such a small group of friends that, you know, like you and just like people. And luckily all my friends during this time, like in the beginning, I didn't really see anyone because obviously it was like, we didn't know what was going on and everything. And yeah, and I have had some family stuff happening. So I was being very cautious. Right. Um, but it was, uh, you know, it was good because I think it did bring all of us closer. And then I think it also really the people that you talk to that people stayed in contact with. And for me, all my friends that I was like, you know, in continuous, um, friendships with and communication with during this time, it was like, it sealed the deal as like, okay, you really are my friend, you right. know, versus like if you, some people I didn't hear from at all, then I'm like, you're clearly like, right. whatever, you know what Couldn't I mean? So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, I think that, yeah, it's, you really, 2020 brought out all the things. And mm-hmm. one of those things was definitely kind of who are the people that I consider to be close to me and yeah. who are the people that are like my ride and die. And I'm going to be able to like yeah. make it through a freaking pandemic with. Yeah. Because everybody has those friends like the party friends or the friends right. you go out with and the friends you whatever. But then at the end of the day, when all this stuff was happening, you're like, what do I need this like party friend and this, whatever this messy friend and all this right. stuff for, because what is this serving me? Right. And it's okay to be like, you're not making my life. You're not bringing anything positive into my life. You're, right. if anything, you're making my life negative worse. <laughs> or worse. And it's okay. It's okay to like be different and it's okay to grow apart from people. Right. And that's one thing I'm just like, look, if, you're a negative influence, you're a negative, like something or aura, a shadow, anything like that. Not I need shadow. sunlight. That's it. So, Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so speaking of like good vibes, good people, not being the shadow, not putting, uh, the, the clouds on my sunny ass day. Um, you know, being in LA that kind of has the stereotype of having those shady kind mm-hmm. of fake people. Have you been able to, um, obviously you filtered through, it sounds like a lot of people because you have less than 10 people that are really close <laughs> yeah. to you, uh-huh. but you know, in this industry as well, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, just try to climb the ladder and kind of make their way For up. Sure. How have you been able to kind of navigate that as an artist and then really be able to consider these people outside, right? Pre pandemic. Yeah. Like what was your means kind of for you to be able to, to navigate through this crazy city? I mean, listen, if, I was the type of person that was able to climb a ladder mm. to be more successful. I would be so much further ahead mm. than I am. But to be honest, I think when you are someone that has gone through trauma in your life, I think that you are in continuous search for genuine um, connections with people. Right. And so if I ever feel like something isn't genuine, I immediately retract and which is why I'm not able to be ingenuine to people. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard for me to be fake. It's hard for me to like do that kind of thing. And and I know some of it's not even ingenuine. Some of it's just like schmoozing and just being right. like, right. which I should be better at honestly, but it's just really hard for me to be that way. Cause I'm not, I'm not like a I'm not like a, um, into like celebrity and just that kind of thing. It just doesn't interest me at all. Right. And so I have never been like that, but it's been really easy for me 
to spot someone that is. And so I've always been like, oh, this person's too much. I can already tell. Fashion you know away, I mean? girl. Bye-bye. Exactly. So toodles. Yeah. And so I've been able to just easily remove myself from a situation like this is not it. And then just not even deal with it. Yeah. Not you bother. Know? Don't mm-hmm. have time for it. Don't have zero time. Yeah. I have a lot going on and everyone and everybody has a lot going on. So the people, honestly, I give you credit for the people that put up with these type of people, but yeah. I just can't. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that what you just said is so true because I feel like the everyone's busy is just like the, the laying yeah. down ground at this point. Yeah. So what are you going to do as like the friend, the co-creator, mm-hmm. whoever to like rise up above the busy yeah. to be legit in there? Yeah. And I do think that, you know, 2020 kind of lent itself as like the let's pick up the broom and the dustpan and For sweep sure. up all these people that are not, and not really under the it. rug, just like yeah. in the trash. <laughs> In the dustpan, into the trash. Bye-bye. Yeah. Go back to Ohio. Thank uh-huh. you. I don't know why I always use Ohio as a reference. Not, we're not no. saying Ohio is Yeah, it's negative, not, not trash by, by any means. <laughs> don't hate me, Ohio. That's but so funny. No, but the, re- the reality is, is that, yeah, I think that it takes a lot to live in Los Angeles. A lot of money, a lot uh-huh. of perseverance, a lot of strength, yeah. and the ability to kind of, you know, everyone wants to be here. It's beautiful. Why wouldn't you? It's gorgeous yeah. weather. You have every access to everything. and anything for that matter and so yeah i think that you really have to want it bad enough for sure and uh, you know for both of us as long as we've known each other you know the fact that we're still here doing it is amazing i know um crazy yeah so kind of moving forward into the future kind of what are some of your goals for like let's say the next year three years five years ten years from now oh god i know it's funny because if you if you would ask me 10 years ago where i would see myself today i who i wouldn't i would be interested to see i would what i would have said right you know, and would it be where you are now? And I would mean, it be where I'm sure it would be further, <laughs> but, but it would be, you know, I don't know. I, th- I think for me, it's hard to say in 10 years, but I know for sure, like I have like specific plans that I'm laying out for the next year or two or whatever. Right. Um, you know, I, like I said, I love cinema. And so my biggest goal was she and the bandit more, more so than being on a cover magazine or being on the billboard hot 100 or whatever is to, see my my song in a film or a trailer or something in a, in a film just because I truly love cinema so much. And so that's that's my end goal is to do that. And because I own 100% of my music, then I have and own all the rights to it. So that's my goal is for that to happen. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, having your own copyright and the rights to your content, I think is what's so crucial. Yeah. Do you, I know you mentioned earlier that you kind of do your own editing while you were in quarantine yeah. of your own videos. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you want to pursue in the future? Like doing kind of whether you're directing or shooting and or editing, I mean, not just your own stuff, but maybe yeah. career wise. I truly love to edit film. And I just like, I love, and I think because I have, I guess as a creative person and you know, you have a specific eye that maybe someone that's not a creative doesn't, doesn't have. have. Absolutely. And so, um, especially for my music, like I 100% want to edit my videos because no one else is going to see the same vision or have the same vision that I have. Um, especially because I am, growing up with these songs or I'm like raising them as a child until right. the fruition, until they're an adult, yes. you know? And so I'm, as I'm in the studio, I'm picturing all this stuff that if I were to hire a director or something, he wouldn't get it. He wouldn't understand the same thing. Um, but yeah, I would love to, I would love to work with other artists or edit other artists, music videos, because I love that. Um, I started writing actually um, like a short, I'm not sure what's going to happen with it, but we'll see. Oh, wow. But that's something I would love to, to do because it's inspired by my music so right. of course I would do the soundtrack. Yes. But then also it's a it's a horror inspired something. So we'll see what happens with it. But yeah. Awesome. So, you know, I know that you're SoCal born and raised and you've been here for quite some time, mm-hmm. but you did take a little bit of a a break from LA and went to another uh city and <laughs> the face he said. Okay. Uh, um a oh, what? Uh huh. Um, no. So I was just curious. Like, do you see yourself long term? I guess staying in LA. Hell no. Really? I no. I honestly don't. No. Okay. I'm not an LA person. Wow. Yeah. That's I, a, this is news to me. I, we're really? getting it first. I feel like we've talked about this before. Actually, we have. We have. I I really long for. Um, I've been able to luckily tour some other places, and I was in Europe for a few months, and then also I uh, toured like the Midwest a little bit, mm-hmm. and. I long for the time when I can 
open my front door and have like trees and, and mm. a lot of land around me. Right. I was one time in Louisville, Kentucky. This is so random. Go Louisville. Yeah. And there was like deer. We were staying at this house. Um, this was when I was with the Wizard of Oz tour and mm. there was deer and just like beautiful, like all this like land that like you don't see here. And growing up in California, these are things that, you know, you don't ever see. And so um, for people that are moving here from like Kentucky or all these places, like they love the city life. They right. love that everything's like right. jam packed and all this stuff. And for me, I'm like, I want the opposite. Right. I want like space. So I definitely 100% don't see myself living here permanently. Got I mean, it. I think for now this is, it, it serves its purpose. Right. Um, and my family and all my friends are here. So I can't really see myself disconnecting right now, but I think in the future for sure, I would love to have space or to at least have, at least have a home somewhere else that I can detox from this from and then come back, you know? Okay. So like the Kim and Kanye situation, you just want like a house in Montana that you can, is just... that where it is? Okay. Montana. Yeah, you know, Montana. Sure. I've never been there. You've but never been? No. It's gorgeous. See, it's... like all these places are so beautiful to me. And for me, city is like the most ugly, like landscape ever. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I just like love, lush and trees and like seasons also like yeah. i would love to i mean i in my mind i would love to have like a winter but then i think if i really were dealing with the winter i'd be like oh my god it's so cold i'm like let's be real it is 56 degrees out today you are wearing jean shorts yeah exactly and a yeah, t-shirt yeah. and living your best life yeah. but listen mm -hmm. winter is still happening on the other side of this right exactly this country rather so yeah yeah, I, don't I mean, know. I thought Nashville maybe even because I know Nashville mm. does have like a, a music scene. Great music but scene. Also, it's still Midwest, but then also I don't want to die or get murdered or something, so I'm not sure. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. He went. He went there. That's, yeah. That's great. Um, thinking long term, like, do you see yourself? Obviously, it's not going to be here in LA, which is fine. Yeah. I I can get on a plane and visit you wherever you go. But honey, do you, you're coming too. Oh, I'm coming with. We're all okay. going. I'm having did, a compound. Oh, honestly. Then you are Kanyeing it up. You <laughs> yeah, are yeah, getting exactly. the compound with uh -huh. the, the thousand acres and the horses Truly. and all of it. Um. But do you have um, kind of like goals in the sense of personal goals? Like, do you want to settle down? Do you want to have a family? Do you see yourself yeah. kind of being in that whole lifestyle? Yeah, I mean, I I grew up like very family oriented. So I would love to have a family. I would love to get married one day. Um, I just don't know how that looks for me. Right. So I, it's hard to say like, yes, I would love to have um a happy marriage and children and all this stuff, but I don't really know how that looks. Mm. Um, so I'm not really sure, but yeah, I, I would love all those things and I would love to have a home and come back to LA for work and whatever and fly right. here and there for work and all this stuff. And uh, luckily for me, if it's songwriting, I could do that from home. Right. But I'm just not sure how that looks in the future. Cause I think coming from a divorced family, mm. a broken home, I am open to like, things not being picture perfect, how you see in the, in a movie. Right. Um, and I know that it's 2021 and things are different now. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I would love to meet somebody and just like have this amazing romance and all this stuff, but I don't know if that's in the cards for me. I don't know. Right. Yeah. You've always been kind of a relationship person though. So to me it's, yeah, it, it doesn't seem like that's out. That's like far out there or anything. No, it's not like out of the question. It's not something that's like so far. I do. I do naturally just enjoy relationships because right. I do enjoy like a commitment and I'm not scared of commitment, but I enjoy like that relationship you have with somebody and like love. And I always love those things, and even though I love like horror films and all this like death and stuff. But I do really love love. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Does love or the relationships that you're in influence your music or the way that 100%. you kind of create? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Nice. Mm -hmm. In a good way, bad way, both? I think both. I mean, it's hard to say because it depends on like where I'm at. Cause sometimes if I'm in like a, a turbulent situation, mm -hmm. I might not write about it in that moment because right. it's like very cloudy. Cause it's like constantly it's happening in the moment. But later on I'll look back on it and I'll be like, okay, this is exactly what I was feeling. I can like write down, pinpoint every single emotion but when i'm in it it's kind of like all over the place but yeah they do influence 
me a lot, so be careful. <laughs> be careful. Uh-huh. Watch your back. Yeah. I'll come for you. Um, so this is going even further into the future, if you will. So, um, you know, what would you actually say to your future self, let's say 15 years from now, which I know is a long time, but I feel like this is almost like a time capsule, right? So it's kind of like if you were to be able to, like, talk to yourself or tell yourself, what would you say? What would I say to my future self? Uh-huh. Oh gosh! Since you're 18 now, you know it's yeah. Just, since I'm it's... I'm only a ripe age of 16 now. <laughs> Not 16. <laughs> <laughs> um, I honestly would probably say something like slow down, mm. like be happy with the accomp- accomplishments that you've made, right? And like take time to look back and reflect on all the things you've done versus like just being like, go, 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 look in the future and only do this thing versus like sometimes you need to like sit back and be like, look, I have done these things. I am proud of this stuff that I've done in the past. And it's something to be to smile about and to be, you know, happy with. So I think that's probably something only because I know that's how I am now Mm. is that I'm not like I'm constantly going versus like taking the time, taking the time to reflect and all that stuff. And I know it's really important to do. Um, and I'm sure I'll be just the same as when I'm older. So I'm just telling myself that I should think a little bit more and, you know, be more present, I guess. I love that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this podcast was really born out of 2020 and kind of my own self-reflection and realizing that, um, you know, in Buddhist terms, we, the idea of cause and effect, uh, is really born out of the idea of the lotus flower, which has, you know, these muddy roots that it's growing and then this beautiful flower on top. Mm -hmm. But the uniqueness of the lotus flower is actually based on, um, it can actually flower as well as seed at the same time. So it's like this instantaneous, you know, you make the cause and then ultimately the effect is registered instantaneously at the same time. And then from that muck or the struggles that you've gone through, right, that's what creates this beautiful bloom of, of, um, Lotus. So for yourself, what is your kind of, I guess, biggest, if you were to look back at like your career and your creative and personal life, what has kind of been your largest struggle that you've ultimately think has led to your creative, you know, beautiful, lotus self now oh interesting i mean i never knew that about a lotus flower before until you told me today so that's interesting that they are like that but um i think probably the biggest thing is and i think a lot of people in the queer community Mm -hmm. um because i am a gay gay? right because i am a gay man in case you guys didn't know oh okay um but is that I think the internal struggle of acceptance of mm. self acceptance is probably the the hardest part. And as we gr- we were growing up, especially in our probably age bracket and, and people that are older than us, especially right. our generation older than us, um, had to deal with covering themselves up or hiding themselves and not really knowing what to do. And for me growing up, I, I was trying to hide myself originally and then I didn't know and then I didn't want to be too gay and I didn't want to be whatever. Right. And so there came a time where it's like, I wasn't being authentic to myself. Mm. So I was constantly trying to battle, you know, who I was. Right. And even when I was, you know, doing solo stuff by myself, I was still trying to be, I was like myself, but I was also still trying to be someone that I thought I needed to be. Right. And so now as I'm a little bit older, looking back, I'm like, that was my biggest struggle was just acceptance, you know, right. because I didn't know how self-acceptance, though, right? self-acceptance. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not acceptance to other people, but self-acceptance for myself, for, for being homosexual right. and for trying to like worrying about, is it too gay or is it not enough or is it this, you know, like how, whatever. And I, and I didn't know what to do. And so you just kind of like start to, not be yourself and then you kind of that snowballs into just like something else and so that for sure was probably the biggest struggle because i didn't know where to go right and so you just kind of become like fake or right. just unauthentic your authentic self yeah yet. right and so that for me was probably the biggest right. thing and so what i guess because you brought that up what has kind of how were you able to do that was it just through like creating she and the bandit or like, I mean, obviously that process, cause how long actually did you have your own name as your key, if you will, for all of your music before you did she and the bandit? Oh, okay. So I started 2011 okay. was like, um, around the time when I zoomed my own projects mm-hmm. and then I stopped that in about 
2017, maybe. Okay. I don't know. Got it. I want to say 2017, and then I started She and the Bandit in 2018, 2019, basically. Got so it. So that's kind of where that, yeah, happened, I think. And that was like when I first started developing the project and figuring out what to do and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now you feel like your most authentic self and being able yeah. to really express. I think it was just, are. yeah, I don't, I don't really, there wasn't like a, a pinpoint moment. I just think that the light switch just turned on for me. Right. And it was just like, why, why am I trying to be someone that I'm not? Or right. why do I care what other people think? I right. really don't. Right. And that's the thing is like always, I always kind of had the same vibe about me, which was always like, I really don't care about what people think about me. But I, I think I really got to a point where I just was like, I honestly really don't care now. Like I, I didn't care before, but I cared a little bit. And now I'm to the point where I'm like, I really just don't care Mm. because life is so short. And also with everything that had happened this past year and you know, my project definitely inspired me because just be doing what I wanted to do was inspiring to myself. Right. And then just all these, all these people that I believe in and that I follow and that I like admire are just unauthentically themselves. Right. You know? Yeah. There's something that I've always admired about you ever since I met you was your confidence and your ability to really not give a shit what other people thought of you. Yeah. And I know that you obviously shared the fact that, you know, it's it's definitely like as a creative, an internal struggle, especially, you know, like, oh, are they going to like this? Or am I being too gay? Or is my voice sounding too whatever? Or Mm -hmm. how am I presenting myself? But I do think that your sense of self, you know, has always been strong, but to know that in the last even, you know, three years or so, however long it's been now, uh, you've been able to really kind of like fully just embrace it and mm-hmm. just be like, you know, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. And yeah, because honestly, it. at this point, you either like me or you don't like me. Right. And it's fine because right. there are people that I definitely don't like. OK. And that we're it's OK. Like, right. it's OK that if I don't like you. Right. You know what I mean? It's right. nothing against you. And I'm not the kind of person that's going to be like angry towards you or like right. trying to start a fight with you. I just if I don't like you, I don't like you. And it's OK if you don't like me, too. Right. And it's okay if you don't like the way I dress, I might not like the way you dress or whatever, but I am, I'm very that now, but there, I am self-conscious about my music. That's a different, that's like a different thing. I am like, yeah, it's like, I, there's one, if there's one thing that I would be sensitive about, it's like, if someone were to tell me, you could tell me you don't like my song I'd be okay with that right. or you don't like relate to it or it's not your style of music. I'm right. totally fine with that. Cause I know the eighties and cinematic stuff is not necessarily. Some people want to listen to rap music or country or whatever it is. Absolutely. That's fine. But if you tell me it's like I sound bad or it's poorly produced or something that I will like throw myself off a cliff or something. Right. Just because like, or that's, just come at them with a knife or either one. Yeah. yeah. Just because I feel like that's like to me, that is like so personal, right? you know? It is hard, you know, but because you're putting yourself out there and like we were talking earlier about, you know, social media has such a huge influence and mm-hmm. you are, we're all kind of putting ourselves out there. I I know very few people who are not on social media or a platform that they're expressing themselves on. How do you then, you know, I guess for lack of terms, like filter yourself out of that or not see it? Like, do you just not look at the comments or do you just not feel it or do you just block it out or how do you keep from the people influencing or do you just have a bunch of lovers and no haters? I mean, trust me, there's, there are a lot of times when, especially as I'm working on a a song or something and I, you know, I show someone and I'm very cautious about like not showing someone too early because some people to the naked ear, they don't know what like a demo or what a something is going to sound like. So they might believe this sounds like really terrible. Like this sounds like unfinished and it's supposed to, right. But um, you know, there has been times where someone's like, mm, I don't know, like whatever. But at the end of the day, if I, I can take, I can listen to your critique, but if I don't agree with you, then I don't agree with you. But sometimes I will hear people and I'll be like listening to their critiques or whatever it is. And I'll be like, Oh, do they have a point or do whatever? And if they do, then I'll take that into consideration. But nine out of 10 times, I'm not going to right. listen because usually I'm pretty, happy with my decisions right but it's okay to like get a negative comment and i have gotten some people saying well this isn't my 
my jam. This isn't my style. I think that's like a common thing. If someone doesn't like it, they'll just tell me like, oh, it's not really like my style, but I, but it's a good song. You know what I mean? Right, right. I'm like, so you just told me, so you think the song's shitty. Just <laughs> yeah. say that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like the music, but it's it's good for what it is. Uh-huh. Yeah, You're like, yeah. wow, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Let's just move I'm like on. looking at them side. I like, okay, mm-hmm. so what are you really saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I mean, I think that the influence of, um, you know, it's almost like putting ourselves out there in a gallery. And like you said before, it's almost like before it was only on, you know, a very limited viewing platform, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. And now it's like a constant 24 seven. You can see any surveillance, right? Constantly. Yeah. It's like, you're constantly getting viewed and tracked. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think, um, yeah, not really caring what other people have to say about that and just yeah. believing 100% in what you're doing mm-hmm. is what will actually keep you going, yeah. right? Because, yeah, if you let those things, you know, attack you and you get taken down by them, then it's near impossible. I mean, it's just like anything because, like, you you don't want to be the kind of person, or for me, I don't want to be the kind of person that never listens to anyone. Right. Because like comments or otherwise. Yeah. Because I am, especially if it's someone I care about, like if it's someone I care about, I 100% will listen to their critique or their ideas or thoughts or whatever, but it doesn't mean I need to follow them or need to do what they're saying. Right. But it's just like a painting to me. Like I recently bought some paintings for my house Mm -hmm. and I think they're really cool, but you might come over, especially being a photographer, you might come over and be like, these are terrible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Granted, they're not like, they're not like, uh, photography pictures or like drawings right. and stuff. Right. But still like everyone has their own eye. And just like with music, like I'll hear a song that I'm like, this is a terrible song. Like I just do not like it. But then some people are like, Oh my God, have you guys heard the new whoever song? And I'm like, really? So just it, everyone has their own preference. Yeah, absolutely. Do you ever feel as though because you're in music that when you hear a song for the first time, like you said, you might judge it and be like, wow, this song is like, crap but then everyone else hypes it and as time goes on and maybe you listen to it more you actually like jump on the bandwagon and and enjoy it or um yeah i mean there's plenty of times where i've heard a song and i'm like what is this but you know i know myself too and i'm also not i'm listening to like the production right the technical side yeah i'm listening to production i'm listening to like Oh, how did they mix the person's vocals? Mm. Like how, whatever, like things like that, that a normal person wouldn't listen to. Um, but yeah, there have been like really, really popular songs. I'm trying to think of one, but I can't, but a, a song that everyone's like popping off about. Right. And I'm just like, I just really, I can't do it. Yeah. And a lot of times, a lot of times it's uh, just repetitive pop music, which is, which is fine. There's a formula to pop music. And I, that's why I love pop music because I just truly do. But sometimes some of it can be just a little too much and I'm like, okay, you yeah, know, absolutely. So, but I don't judge people for liking it. I'm just like, it's not, I'll just change it if it comes on. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to add Any comments, thoughts, prayers, <laughs> prayer, a lot of prayers <laughs> for anyone listening to this. If you made it to this far in the podcast, then amen to you. Sister. Yeah. Amen. Um, no, I mean, it was super fun and I think it's a really cool concept. Um, so I'm glad you're doing it. Absolutely. So for everyone that's listening, where can they find you? Um, what's your, is there a website? What's your Instagram? So she and the bandit everywhere. That's basically where you can find me. So Spotify, iTunes, um, Instagram, she and the bandit. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So if you search she and the bandit anywhere, then hopefully I'm the only one that comes up. Otherwise it's a lawsuit. Amazing. (laughs) She'll come for you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ryan and she and the bandit. Please go take a listen, follow on Instagram. And yeah, we look forward to hearing and seeing your new uh, videos that you're going to come out with. Here we go. Let's do it. Thank you. Thank you. This week's Buddhist quote of the day is a genuinely happy person is one who brings happiness to those around them by my life's mentor, Daisaku Ikeda. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Creative Lotus Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Zaki. Please go ahead and subscribe, rate us, and write a review. And follow me at Alan Zaki on social media. I look forward to having more amazing creative dialogues on the next episode. Thank you.